Father, we thank you for Greg. Like somebody said in the video, we've seen him grow from a uh, slightly wayward youth to uh, a man of God uh, that is able to stand anywhere and proclaim your truth, that your anointing is on him. Thank you for what he has imparted to this church, the way he's touched our lives. And Lord, as he shares a word with us today, Lord, let your spirit rest on him, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Good. Good morning, everyone. Um, you must all know that I've told you multiple times that I cried at the movie Wally, so you can imagine what that did to me. I want to, I'm a little boogery, so, but, but thank you guys so much. I, it's, it's true. It's a baptism right here. Uh, but, you know, I, I've been thinking about this, and, and I'm glad that you guys had this video together, because it will provide some sort of context for what I'm going to be sharing this morning. And uh, it's one of those things where when you go to deliver a message, you really want it to be the Word of God, and you want it to be so much of what the Lord is doing, and you want to, there's that line between preaching and teaching and these different expressions of the gifts. And I was struggling with this, because um, you never really want to make it all about you, but Today it's going to be about me, so <laughs> we might as well just get it out in the open, because it's my last day, so it's going to be about me. Um, it's going to be about me through the lens of the work that the Lord does, and, and I want it to be an encouraging message. I want it to be one that is transparent. I want it to be one that challenges, and we'll, we'll kind of skip around through scripture, uh, scripture a little bit to kind of illustrate things that are happening in my life, and hopefully in your lives too. Um, so I'm glad that it's about me today. So Lord, I, I pray God that we, um, as a body and as a family, um, can just experience you. God, where your presence is real and, and your love is real. And Lord, we all have a story to tell, God. We all have a part of ourselves, a part of our being, a part of our existence, Lord, that um, involves you. God, our very existence involves you. And so, Lord, I ask that as we explore Scripture, as I share my testimony, as, as your word goes forward in power, Lord, I pray that you would change hearts, God, that you would encourage the people of this church, that you would encourage those who are listening elsewhere. And God, may we just come into a greater knowledge of you. May we grow uh, as a body, not, not just at River of Life, but, Lord, that we would grow um, church large sea. God, because it's about you, your kingdom, your love, and your people. And in Jesus' name. Amen. So the about me stage is, I, I often think about Old Testament, uh, or I say in Scripture, you think about how do we have this book? How do we have these stories? Um, who are the people we admire in Scripture? And, and all those early things that happen in church culture and how the gospel spreads, it spreads through the power of people who encountered Christ. Right? Jesus wasn't everywhere always teaching people. It was his people who had encountered him in some sort of authentic way, had experienced the power of Christ, went through, uh, and just said, hey, my, my go-to is always the blind man. Right? He's like, hey, I don't know anything other than I was blind, and now I can see. Right? Like, that's the most simple testimony uh, on the face of the planet, and yet it's the most powerful reality of this man's existence blind, and now I see. Why? Because he encountered Christ. Blind, encounter Christ, I can see. And we all have this, this story in our lives that we, we were one thing, and then we encounter Christ, and then we're another thing. And you know me, I have this spectrum. You, you have 
If you have Christ in the center, you have the heathen on one side who needs Christ just as much as the Pharisee on the other side. People who have the right knowledge, who are informed correctly, who have hedge laws, who do all these things right, but they don't have the heart and encounter of Christ. In the same way of people who maybe live a wayward life, who equally need Christ. And we're all somewhere on that spectrum. And let's just admit it, we're still somewhere on that spectrum. Right? You, you saw, and I'm so glad those videos were here, because it's going to help illustrate my story. Because I was a pendulum. I'm here. I encounter Christ, and then I'm over here, and then I have to re-encounter Christ, and now I'm somewhere in between. I mean, I'm trying to stay more away from the heathen side of world, but, you know, I'm stuck in the Pharisee box, right? Years ago, I did that message of being a recovering Pharisee, and I think if you've grown up in the church, you're going to struggle with this. But I'm going to tell you what, a Pharisee coming to Christ and a heathen coming to Christ is just as miraculous. It's, it's the same encounter with the same living God, the same transforming power, and the same blood that was spilt for all of us. So we can rejoice in that. Right. And so with that, I'm going to share a little bit of my story so you can understand the, the, the context here and how I want to share a little bit about me. Some of you have only met me recently. Some of you have known me for a long time. And, um, and so you lived these stories. But I'm going to combine my story with a few things I've, I've been hearing the Lord say over the years at this church, River of Life, and things I believe this body um, should hear and we, we really want to pay attention to. So it all started when I was three days old. Obviously, it started before then because I was born, and then three days. I was probably still a little yellow-orange because of jaundice, and, and I was adopted. And, and so you've heard Pastor Joe share part of his story about what, there's a moment when you hold two birth certificates and you realize that something has changed. This is forever tainted. I shouldn't say tainted. This is forever painted as influenced and informed my life. So when I was three days old, I was born one thing, and then I was adopted, and I was a shepherd. And I was about to discover in the 28 years what that meant as to what shepherd means, my last name. And so I, I grew up in Ohio. I moved to Michigan. I grew up there for most of my middle school years, um, I should say grade school, then we moved back to Ohio, pretty much right in the same neighborhood that I was at in the first time. In that time, I was raised Christian, I'm an out-of-the-womb Christian. My parents had basic doctrines and influences of Christianity and, and raised us in a good way, and um, I still vow to this day, my dad is like one of the greatest disciplers, I, he just... I, I realize more and more every day how much I am my father. And uh, for good, bad, or indifferent, it's there. But at that time in Michigan, I, I never knew want. Never knew I was, uh, my, my parents were so, so grateful to me. We, we have a place in upstate New York. I, I grew up hiking and backpacking and having access to the mountains. And, and whenever I needed school supplies, it wasn't a struggle. And we were able to move back to Ohio. And, and I grew up here, and it was never a struggle. And, and then something changed. You see, when I, when I was growing up, my children's books were not always just the Berenstein Bears. They were not always uh, Where's Waldo. There was one book in particular that was Why Was I Adopted? My parents made sure that they, they would let me know from as early as I could understand 
that my adoption had nothing to do with me being hated. It had nothing to do with me being disliked. It had nothing to do with me not being wanted. It had everything to do with a transaction of love. And I remember that book, and it would go through, you know, why am I different, or why am I not my parents, or all these things, and it would always come back to the statement of, of you're loved. So I've always known. But just like any other rebellious teenager, I needed something to be mad at my parents about. So why not the fact that they're not my parents? Right? We, we moved. Um, I was like the loser kid. In you know, seventh grade, I was still wearing the red and green striped polo with a little alligator on it. Okay? I was not, yeah. <laughs> oh, right? I was not popular by any means. And so eighth grade, it became, I'm not going to be bullied anymore. I'm not going to be picked on anymore. I'm going to be angry at something. I'm going to be angry at everything. I became someone who desired death more than I desired life. I, I didn't, didn't want to live. I didn't want to be adopted. Right here I was. If We've been talking about the story of the two sons, or the parable of the two sons. And I had it all. And pretty much I was like, you know what? I just wish you would die. I want my inheritance, and I'm out of here. As much as a 13-year-old can say that. Okay. But you know, you know that angst that's there. And so I began to rebel, and, and, and I was distant from the Lord. And my parents, um, there was a pastor at another church who ended up leaving that church. My parents really liked him, and so they weren't so thrilled about the change. So they started church shopping. And then during the church shopping stage of life, I stopped going um, and then my parents eventually found River of Life. And they found it at a time in which I really needed the Lord. So then they heard Pastor Joe was adopted. They are like, maybe this guy can talk some sense into our son. <laughs> and so since he loved coffee and I loved coffee, I think my parents made a play date. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I encountered the word in a way I understood it. Because Pastor Joe shared to me very early he said, you understand adoption into the kingdom of heaven more than most. Because as a shepherd, I had inheritance to things that I didn't deserve. I had inheritance to things that I, uh, I had no choice over. I just had to accept the love, and all of a sudden, I had access to all things shepherd. I was in shepherd. Just as when we are in Christ, we have access to enormous amount of resources. And all we have to do is accept it. Right here I was, and this is the thing, I so fought my parents because of some sort of deception in my mind. And yet, in the same parallel, we reject our adoption to Christ for some sort of deception in our lives. So all of a sudden, this started to make sense. You know, it also helped that you know, I started going to youth group before I came on Sunday morning because adult church is just scary. And there was one fine image of God in youth group. So when you chase a girl, when you chase a girl to youth group, that's what happens. You go from here to encountering Christ, right? And that's what happened. That's what happened. My life started to change. In high school, I, I, I became someone who desired life. And the direct proportion in which I began to accept the love of Christ because the love of the Christ is life. The word is life. The blessings that you get from, from life 
and this temporal existence as part of your family. This all comes from you know, a verse in, in Revelation 12, 10, where it starts saying, it's talking about the, the casting out of the dragon. It says, by, by the power of the blood and by the testimony. The testimony is the most basic thing that we have. No one can take it from you. It's like your birth date, right? No one's going to take you, your birth date from you. And you know what? You don't even have to argue your testimony. I was blind, and now I can see. If you want to argue with it, that's great. But you know what? I was here, and now I'm here. That's it. And testimony and testify are these great words because they're, they're, they're evident. It's proof. When you go into a courtroom and you have a testimony or you testify on something on behalf, you're saying, I'm providing evidence for. Yeah. I'm presenting a truth. And so my truth for you today is that I encountered Christ and my life was changed. And I understand adoption. We all have that story to some degree. We've been talking about this idea of, of adoption. We've been we've going through Leif Hetland and, and the, the orphan spirit. And this is why as I look through history and, and the church history, our church, my time here, and in preparing some of this message, just sharing a little bit of context of, of what it's like to be adopted. There are a few messages in, in the past that the Lord brought to my mind. I believe the Lord is speaking very clearly. And the first thing is we really really, really just need to meditate on the love of Christ. I don't think we really fully understand. I didn't understand until after rejecting my parents' love. And then, and then growing older and maturing and, and, and being away from my parents and kind of coming back to my parents. Now my parents are in Charlotte and I'm going to be in Australia and, and life takes on a whole new perspective which I'm so thankful for all the people who said, you preach well, but you need some experience, bro. And, uh, and I'm getting it. I'm starting to understand it a little bit more. But one thing never changes is the fact that you were adopted into the kingdom of Christ. That, will, that, that doesn't change. You can try to reject it. And, and the Lord can say, okay, but when we understand the access of what it means, it changes our lives. My adoption into the Shepherd family changed my life. Other than today, you'll typically find me barefoot or wearing hiking boots. That's a product of my adoption. <laughs> I grew up backpacking. I, just, I grew up outdoors. I, I had parents who still kind of believed in the come home when the streetlights come on. Right? That's just how I was raised, kind of bridge that generational gap where I still am told to go out and do things. Um, but so much of who I am is a product of my adoption, and so much of who we are in Christ is a product of our adoption. In fact, everything we are in Christ is a product of our adoption. And so when we explore what that means that we're adopted into the kingdom of God, it will inform then how we live. It will inform how, how we treat others. I was sitting at um, probably one of my favorite things in the world um, is hot pot at the Van Geese. And if you don't know what hot pot is, it, you, it's a wonderful social meal. And it's, it's great. You, there's a thing of boiling water in the middle of the table. 
There's more food than you can ever think about eating around it. It's kind of, it's raw. And then you add this food into the hot pot, you let it boil, and you talk, and then it's done. And everyone reaches in, and they grab what they want, and you eat it. And then you throw more food in, and this just goes on and on and on and on until someone wheels you out. <laughs> and during that conversation, I mean, I, 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 I felt, um, we all know Sarah, I'm just going to throw her under the bus here. I mean, like, I felt so fed and so loved and, and really just, Beyond my capacity of eating food, she made me eat more. She just wanted to, to be a mom. She was an excellent mom. And she shared something um, that night. And it comes out, it was Romans 13, 8. And we were just talking about what, what motivates Paul. And Paul writes, essentially, he sums it up and he says, he goes, let no debt remain amongst one another. So Paul is first addressing this idea that when you live a Christian life, you walk as men and women of integrity, right? There, there's no debt that you, you handle your business well, you handle your relationships well, you give no reason for offense or excuse or a stumbling block amongst one another. So that's, that's part one. Then he says, if there is to be a debt, let it be the debt of love for one another. That's the debt that should remain. And I believe so firmly that what motivated Paul to do all that he did was that he realized that because of his adoption in Christ, because of this access to love that he didn't deserve, because of this access to the riches of the kingdom of God, his debt remained to every person he encountered love for them. That's what drove him. I believe so firmly that that love for God and that love for others is what totally motivated his entire existence. And so we look at this, I I think it's out of... um, and it's the greatest commandment. It can be found in Matthew and it's also in Mark 12, 28. But Jesus has this moment where people are challenging him. He says, what, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And essentially he responds and he says, all of the law of the prophets, all of the Old Testament can be summed up in this. To love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and to love others. What an amazing, I don't know about you. Like, I, sometimes I'm a little bit like Paul. I won't let you know. I'm, I am, um, I'm going to be finishing my master's in Christian ministry the day after I leave. <laughs> and I'm going to be graduating with honors. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. But there's a moment where I look at Paul and I'm like, you know, out of all, out of all the things that I've learned, and that's all been beneficial, it can make you here. It can make you in the Pharisee world a little bit. You can get a little big-headed. But at the same time, it really comes down to love God and love others. And Paul says this. He goes, I was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. Right? He knew all the teachings. He knew all the right things. He knew how to walk the walk, talk the talk. He was raised as a, as, as a man of God, but he, he didn't know the heart of God. He didn't know the adoption of Christ. He didn't know what it meant to be in in that will, if you will. He thought he was doing right. And I believe that every one of us, if you find yourself kind of on the Pharisee world, just as one who is still recovering from that space, trust me, you need to understand your adoption more you need to understand the right everything. I would just start there. I, I would honestly start with love God and love others. The clearest portrayal of the gospel is that. And you will understand love God, love others, the more you understand your adoption in Christ. And so it's really important. It may sound 
elementary. You may say, oh, I know I'm adopted. I know that I belong to the Lord. I've been there. But there's a difference between I know I'm adopted by the Lord, I know I'm beloved, and I know I am accepted, but my question to you is, do you feel loved by the Lord? Do you feel accepted? Not making your Christianity about feelings, but we know what it's like to be in a place when you don't feel accepted, right? So when you're in the presence of God, if you feel unaccepted, we've got something to work out. And so this message is what we're talking here, what Pastor Joe has been talking about, and, and this is kind of what I'm stringing along here, is that I can remember Pastor Joe a few years back. He was preaching a message. Uh, it was from Revelation, and it was, it was from the Ephesians church, who did well. In this, in this prophetic example of what's happening in the Ephesian church, there are, there are commandments to the Ephesian church that they're doing well about staying to the truth that they're doing well about expelling those who have false doctrines. They're doing well about accurately discerning the apostles. But then he has one thing against them. God has one thing against the Ephesian church, and it says that, you, that you've forgotten your first love, and that they were in danger of having that lampstand removed. You fast forward a few years, Dinah had a message about first love. And then we transition into this concept of adoption. It's the same thing. I think as, as a people, as a church, as individuals, heathen or Pharisee, we need to come back to first love. And that starts with understanding what is really ours in Christ. And sometimes it's, it's easy. I mean, I wish I could tell you that there was a way to do this, like you can just, Lord, make me feel loved by you. I'm, sometimes that works. Sometimes I feel I've known people who just had a baptism of the Lord's love. Sometimes we have to do some house cleaning. Sometimes you have to be broken like David, and you say, Lord, examine my heart. I'm I'm willing to change everything because I want to know and to feel your love. And so I want to encourage and challenge everyone. If you're tired with, with trying to earn the Lord's love, stop trying. Stop striving. It's given to you freely. I have never... (laughs) I live part of what we read in Scripture where it says, if you leave mother, father, brother, sister on my behalf, you gain so much more of that. Part of my access as a son of Christ is the family of Christ. I have never experienced that more than here. River of life, of part of messenger. And that's not just me. That's not, oh, Greg, that's great. You have that access because you're on staff or you're part of this or part of that. You may be shy, maybe a little bit more difficult. Maybe it's in my personality to just meet a bunch of people, right? I, I talk to dogs, bees, I mean, anything. I just... I talk to them, right? And we talk and ask the Pavlantos to teach their dogs math, and it works. It's bizarre. Talk to anything. What I'm saying is that when you, when you stop trying to fight it, and when you stop just trying, when you just stop agreeing with it, 
and you start owning it, it changes it. Does that make sense? Yes. And this is going to be like the last example. And then I'm going to pray, and we're going to have blessing, and we're going to eat cake. <laughs> Wonderful Sunday. Uh, my buddies and I own, own a small business, and we would go to festivals, and people would read about what we're about. They would read our literature. They would they'd be like, oh my gosh. Like they, they would look at us and talk to us for a half hour and say, you guys are going to change the world. I love this. I'm so excited for you guys. And they, and they would truly mean it. It was not lip service. I mean, they spent a considerable amount of time talking to us and asking us questions. And, and we would have a t-shirt that they would be able to wear to kind of own the lifestyle and, and to go and do it. And they would read all of our stuff. And then they would walk away and go explore the rest of the, the festival. And we would be encouraged, right? We were like, hey, yeah, world changers, right here. We'd be encouraged and, and bolstered. But then we'd also look at one another and kind of stay under our breath and be like, if you love it so much, why don't you buy a T-shirt? Right? Why don't you own a part of it? Because we got to make money, right? But I realized we do that a lot with our Christianity, here was an opportunity. They totally agreed with it. They totally accepted what we were saying. They totally were on board, but they didn't want to buy it. Buy the t-shirt. You are a son and daughter of the living God who desires all good things for you, who has gifted you with things, who died for you so that you can live for him and has given you a promise that he'd always be there for you. He says, consider the lilies of the field or the birds of the air. They do not have any want because they're provided. He sent the disciples out two by two and said, don't take anything because I want you to experience my love and my provision. And they did. He multiplied fish. He multiplied bread. He showed them the power of Christ. The Old Testament is filled with the spreading of the sea, food from heaven, plagues, all sorts of things that he wants to show us about himself. And we just have to accept it. That's your inheritance. That's what Jesus died for. The blood of Christ, what we do in communion, is not just a function of the church. It's a memory of our access to heaven. It's our adoption. It's our birthright. It's the things that have been done for us to cleanse us to have access to him. It's yours. Don't rationalize it. Don't argue with it. If you want to talk theology, that's great. But if you get a spiritual wedgie, stop. Just accept it. Right? The Red Sea parted, and the Israelites walked through it. I wasn't there, but I can accept it. You know why I can accept it? It's because I've been there, and I've been here, and I've encountered this, and I'm different. That's how I can accept that. Because honestly, coming to know to Christ and having your life change from the inside out to the point in which you experience the powers of Christ is probably more miraculous than the parting of the sea. Because the changing of your soul and the changing of your destiny and the changing of your inheritance in the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of just physics. It's supernatural. The God who created physics can change physics. I can understand that. So the God who created you can change you. Just as miraculous. And guess what? That starts with your adoption. It's your birthright. That power, that transforming power, belongs to you. And you accept it. And it will change your life, not just in the fact that, okay, I live this sort of lifestyle. Sometimes I think we get caught up in comparative um, testimonies. Well, you know, my life's not as great because 
I wasn't into sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and then encounter God. We get, we get this idea that we have to have some really bad, messed up story in order to come to Christ and share it. You don't. You don't. And I promise you that the sooner you accept Jesus Christ and you go on mission with him, you'll have a different kind of testimony. You'll not only have one that has changed, but then you'll have like, hey, we were at this place, and... Uh, we saw a dead man get raised to life. That's just as much of your testimony. I mean, if you were there and you saw that, amen, share that. I want to see it. So what I'm saying to you is that it doesn't matter whether you were way on one end or the other, but you came to Christ. And that's a miracle. And I have long said that out of all the miracles of, of Scripture, the real miracle is like the disciples walking in unity. <laughs> like that's, that's a power and a statement of them coming to accept Christ and understand that, all right, we're a family. We're not always going to get along. But you know what? We're, we serve the same father. We serve the same father. And he has good things for you. So I want to challenge you. Don't lose your first love. Don't. Don't lose the old passions. We, we know the enemy wants to come, steal, kill, and destroy, and he does that in many ways. I'll tell you right now, one of the ways that he, he attacks many of us is he steals our time. He steals our time from the Lord. When you really love someone or something, it gets a priority of time. Okay? The deception is that I don't have time for God. What you say there is, I don't, have, I don't have a deep love that prioritizes this time for God. I'm guilty of this. I'll just stand as transparent as anything. And you might be frustrated while you're trying to read scripture and getting nothing, but just persevere. Humble your heart. Accept his love. And the second part is to love others. I think, I think the American culture can learn a lot in loving others. And I think we all understand what I'm saying there. Um, understand that we live in the times that it talks about in 1 Timothy, that those end times, they'll be lovers in themselves. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny its power. They'll be greedy, they'll be angry, they'll be slanderers. I think that's kind of the time we're in. You walk into any public place, it's what you're going to see. But when we first accept the love of Christ, we'll love everyone. And I think that's what motivates Paul. He understands his uh, adoption. He loves God. And then, and then it's his debt to others to love them. Why this all ties into my narrative is because I have a tangible way of, of understanding adoption. Very early on, I realized I didn't deserve anything that I had in Shepler, which is why something like going to Australia which I'm about to kind of give you the quick synopsis of what's happening here. Um, and this is not a look at me sort of thing. It's, it's a, I, I own pots and pans, winter clothes, and some hiking gear. Like that's all that I have to my name right now. Because I realize that my inheritance is more than the stuff that I have in Shepler. And so I'm motivated by, by not the stuff I have, I'm motivated by a deeper love for Christ and a love for people. And, and again, that's not a, no comparative anything here. But I start to understand how the members in Scripture 
could sell their stuff and go. They understood this adoption. And the Lord could call you to different things. And so as you all know, I, I am leaving, and it's going to be hard. This is my family. This is my tribe. These are my people. And I'm so blessed and fortunate to be sent out by you guys. Honestly, from the, the first thing Greg said on the video, like I, I already lost it. I walked in today to, came walking in this way, came around, went into the lobby, saw the cake, got happy. <laughs> saw a crying kid, saw Kendall. I just walked over and said, Kendall, what's wrong? You're leaving. When you're adopted into Christ and you understand his love, you understand his body and his people. And so I'm thankful for you guys. So thankful. I also want to encourage you that keep, keep loving God. Keep loving others. Persevere in all your struggles because God has amazing things. Amazing things. And so just, just rest in him. So God, I, I ask that as we have looked at scripture in the past, as we have heard your words, Lord, from, from kind of that warning from Revelation about having our lampstand removed, God, to Dinah's message of first love, to the study of, of the orphan spirit, Lord, I pray that every member here would truly rest in their love for you and your love for them. God, you have so many wonderful things for us. And God, I often think about how your anger burnt against Moses. And, I, and, and Lord, I think I'm so convinced that you were angry because you wanted to show him who you were and he kept fighting you. And Lord, so I pray for every heart who is fighting you and fighting the things that you want to show them. Lord, I pray, God, that they would just have a humble acceptance of the mission you're calling them to. Lord, I pray, God, for every heart that is struggling with loving you, God, that you would love them first and they would accept that. Lord, would you take away the deception in our lives that keep us from accepting your love? And God, may we truly understand what it means as to be adopted into your kingdom. And Lord, would you birth a greater love for people in all of us? Lord, forgive us for the times where we're critical of others, we're critical of the culture, for Lord, instead, may we have a burning passion that says, God, you have called me for this time. I am an image bearer of the highest God. And I'm going to share that love with others. So God, change our hearts. Work the true miracle of revelation and translation from the spirit of darkness to the spirit of light. And Lord, bless us all as we go out in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, the amazing thing about being part of your family is that we're all connected by Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And Lord, I just pray whenever Greg is in need, when there's a need for prayer, that you would, even if it's the middle of the night, because I know he's on the other side of the world, that you would just uh, connect our hearts to his, that you would uh, call us to prayer. Lord, he is being sent out. He is part of us. And uh, yet he is going to be received there and uh, so many uh, opportunities and relationships, things that will happen. Lord, I just pray that you would go before him now. 
I pray that you would be with him in all that he does, that you would give him favor, that you would open doors for him, Lord, that you would open up relationships. There are decisions that he will need to make in the days to come, and I pray that you'd give him a clarity of heart and mind to know exactly what you are saying to him. I pray, Lord, that you would bring him uh, back next spring, Lord. I know before he gets deployed again that he'll be back with us, and I just pray that between now and then you would do amazing things in him and through him. Lord, you have put your anointing on him. I pray that signs and wonders would follow his ministry, Lord, that as he prays for people, as he shares with people, that your power would be there to transform lives. And I just pray that you would continue to grow him in the faith. Lord, we thank you so much for him. And uh, just bless us now, Lord, as we part. I just pray, Father, that that connection of love that we share would continue to be there, even over the distance. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.